you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast is struggling to pick up Ben McAdoo's offense. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Sunday. Big week two. A lot of craziness. Very strange week two. Yeah, well, great. I'm so happy for week two because that means we're talking about anything else but the lead up to week uh, two in what was the (laughs) roughest week in NFL history, perhaps. But today, Sunday, brings games, and games bring football talk, and that's good. Brings a lot of injuries, too. That Ooh, was, that was kind of a downer. But there were a lot of big upsets. There was a lot of – This was – yeah, this was Sunday. I guess we were talking about what was the theme of the day. Uh, uh, unfortunately, injuries, a lot of big-name players. What do we have? We had uh, – A.J. Green. A.J. Green RG3. with a foot. RG3 with an ankle. No Sean Moreno with an elbow. Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy with a hand. Uh, Jamal Charles, Jamal ankle. Charles with an ankle, Deshaun Jackson. It was a lot of big names. On and on. Eric Decker and the RG three one being serious, but we'll we'll get to all we'll that. get to all that. Uh, but the other big t- takeaway, Mark, you you thought of it, so you might as well let it rip. What did you what did, what are you seeing when you look into mm. the the world, the ether? Oh well, you know we came into the season looking at three NFC teams in Seattle, Green Bay, and the Saints that I think collectively viewed as the true Super Bowl contenders, they're 2-4 and four after two weeks. Ooh. Yeah. Just put that on top of your 45,000 things you need to know from week two. Slap it in there. That's how the magic's made. And, you know, the Denver Broncos, who are widely believed to be an AFC contender, 2-0, and oh, but not a dominant 2-0. and oh. So it's, it's not exactly how everyone has pictured it right now so far, which is I guess we could have predicted. Is there a dominant 2-0 and oh team? Hmm. Not right now. Well, besides the Buffalo Bills. I think the Panthers have looked really good in both games. You can't fault how they played in either game. They weren't dominant in either one. They, no, dom- they were dominant. They beat the Lions 24-7, and they dominated the Bucks for three quarters. They were Some one, nonsense happened in garbage They time. were one drop Deshaun Goldson pick six <laughs> away from losing that game. That's fair. All right, gentlemen, so why don't we get into it? We'll start with the games as we do every Sunday. And TD, behind the glass, how you doing, by the way, buddy? 
Doing well, doing well. My fantasy team, not so much, but yeah. You know. uh, hang in there, buddy. I Nobody cares. Jackson. I know. Yeah. That's, I'm uh, more fascinated. Uh, Damashek pointed it out, but now I can't stop thinking about it. You're wearing a short sleeved red shirt with a hood, which, you know, it's kind of a it doesn't interesting. Compute. Yeah. What's yeah. that about? Well, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to peacock. It's supposed to. I think we learned yeah, that TD peacock. works out. <laughs> yeah, that's he's good. got some noticeable arms. Got some guns. Did you hear? It? He said peacock. Remember that book? That yes, I do remember read? that book. Mystery. I'm going to start calling you Mystery. Anyway, let's get into it. Hey, we get some of that primetime music going. Oh yeah, we do. The old ESPN show. Mmm, that sounds good. Let's get into it. So, the Seattle Seahawks coming off that big. Victory over the Green Bay Packers at home. Travel down to San Diego. Uh, a lot of people figure the Seahawks have a chance to really get out of the gate with a nice winning streak. That's not going to happen because the the San Diego Chargers, behind three touchdown receptions by Antonio Gates, who still in the picture, kid, leads the San Diego Chargers to a big 30-21 to win at home over the defending champions. The, of course, the San Diego Chargers are a team of ATL nominee. And now they are 1-1 one one with a big victory under their belt. And now people can start getting excited about the Chargers, Just right, Greg? make them the team of ATL already. They heard us talking, and they wanted <laughs> to send a message. This thing was a beautiful game to watch. I, I implore you all to watch it during the week. You could just send this game tape right now to Canton and Whoa. get it ready for whoever is going to be making that speech for Antonio Gates and Phillip Rivers after they retire because it was the most Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates game possible. Dodging defenders, kind of throwing touch passes from uncomfortable places. Gates making great catches. It was just an awesome performance by the Chargers I like the way you put it, by the way, downstairs in the newsroom. I think it was the first Philip Rivers pass where he kind of just dropped it over the Seattle secondary. It's kind of like old guy golf where they have their own (laughs) ways of doing things. Philip Rivers has this old guy guy golf method of passing. It's kind of like the old guy at the Y. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or (laughs) old guy basketball. It's not pretty braces, Larry Bird jersey, just working the post. They beat the Seahawks by throwing on them. That was the game plan, to hold on to the ball, and they did it for 42 minutes, which is outrageous, with a terrible running game. Their rushing attack had less than three yards per carry. They didn't run the ball much. It was all those precise, short passes, and Rivers just held the ball. It it was a great – it was just an unbelievable performance by their offense. How does Marshawn Lynch – wind up with 36 yards rushing. Is it just a time of possession? They never really got into the flow? They never had the ball. The Seahawks offense, you can't fault them. They actually were more explosive per play than the Chargers. It was just the fact that when San Diego got the ball, listen to these first drives, 14 plays, 9, 10 plays, 6 plays. The first four possessions, which basically took up the whole first half, they scored. Two touchdowns, two field goals. It it was a great performance by Rivers. What is this I hear about Richard Sherman being exposed? (laughs) Uh, well, they threw at him, I think the broadcast said, four times for 56 yards in the first three quarters or so. He didn't give up any big plays. Some Chargers you know, players were honking afterwards that we exposed Richard Sherman. It's not like they were picking on him. He didn't give up huge plays. That's not a terrible day for a cornerback, but he wasn't too happy about that. Chargers got an assist from the weather. 120 degrees on the field. The mm. Seahawks oh were God. in dark jerseys, yep. and you could see that they were laboring quite a bit. You could, and I just don't think a Pete Carroll team knows what to do 
uh, when they can't get a running game going like that. It was just they took it to them. They never really let them get into that flow because when they tried to run the ball early, suddenly you're punting, and then the Chargers are holding the ball again. It reminded me a lot of the Chargers last year when they played the Broncos, a very similar sort of style. One thing, Mike McCoy, underrated in terms of week to week, depending on who they're dealing with, he comes up with a creative game plan. And I think it's because they're out in San Diego. No one cares about San Diego. Totally under the radar in terms of that. I'm ready to make them the team of ATL right now. And The Seahawks, by the way, couldn't tackle. They're breaking tackles. This Chargers defense is a lot better. Jason Barrett, rookie, playing very well. Uh, Greg, very excited about making the Chargers team of ATL right now. Ooh. Yeah. And you know what? I, I totally see it as something that, could happen, but maybe we should table it for Wednesday show so we can get into it a little bit okay. and maybe decide then or not. Wes, does that seem fair? Yeah, I have some reservations with the Chargers. Okay, oh, so let's let's table the discussion <laughs> until Wednesday and we'll get into it a little bit uh, because it is a very special honor to be named the team of ATL. We don't rush into anything. Let's move forward. The Buffalo Bills are now 2-0, and ladies and gentlemen. The Miami Dolphins coming off that great win over the New England Patriots in Week 1. Go up to Orchard Park, an electric, electric Orchard Park, which team just got sold, and they're staying in western New York. Jim Kelly's there, and people are loving all that. And then they go out, and they play like the old Bills. C.J. Spiller uh, channeling his two t- 2012 version. He has a 102-yard kickoff return, also a 40-something-yard run. He was on fire. The defense played great. The laser show was sidelined for Lisa Week, a 29-10 win for the Bills. As I said, now 2-0 and and leading the AFC East all alone, Mark Sessler. Your thoughts? I don't know. For me, that's a disappointment because for Miami. I, I looked at them, and I watched the game tape pretty closely from last week. I thought this was a team that was going to consistently go out and produce on offense. I guess, you know, Buffalo's never an easy place to go and do what you want to do, no matter what's going on with the Bills. But they got on track today. E.J. Manuel, a clean game. Yeah, E.J. Manuel is fine. But, yeah, when I think about this game, why did the Bills win? It's about defense. The, the Dolphins' offense did not even cross midfield until the third quarter. They had Oof. 290 yards overall. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, who I'm sorry, Greg, I know he's still your boy potentially. I know that's fading as well. <laughs> he just is not impressive to me. He misses too many throws, and it doesn't help when that uh, new offensive line is not clicking. It did not look good. He got sacked four times, kind of looked rattled at times. This was not a great Ryan Tannehill game. So the entire Miami offense looked bad. But you got to give credit to the Buffalo defense for scheming to make that happen. Uh, the big maybe negative for the Dolphins is we were all kind of excited about Miami's backfield after week one. Now no Sean Moreno suffered, suffered a gruesome elbow injury. looks like, according to Rap Sheet, he's going to be out at least a month. So he's out of the picture. Uh, and then one other takeaway that I had watching the game closely, Sammy Watkins, big coming out party, uh, eight catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, this guy came into the league ready-made to be a Pro Bowl guy, and we're already seeing it in week two. Robert Woods, one catch for five yards, Greg. <laughs> That's not good, but he had that first game. I'm going to focus on that one. But it, <laughs> it's nice, though, that they have Watkins who can take over a game, and they have C.J. Spiller who's not going to be week-to-week taking over games, but there will be games like this one. You know, he also he had the big run. He had the big you know, kickoff return that he can take over, and they have defensive players that can take over. They have a lot of good individual players. Greg, as a follower of the Patriots, you are are you mortified and slightly scared to see Buffalo alone at the top of the AFC East? No, I think okay. that's, well, that's fair a enough. team. If I could choose one to be a top, that, I guess <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be enough. the Patriots. That'd be it. 
the Panthers won in week one with Derek Anderson at quarterback. They got Cam Newton back in week two in Charlotte in their home opener, and it uh, paid off. He threw for 281 yards and a touchdown. Panthers a 24-7 win over the Detroit Lions. Uh, Newton had that rib injury, uh, was sacked four times, but stayed through the game, and Carolina is now 2-0 for the first time since 2008, gentlemen. And he was always he was diving all over the place, looked like he might have hurt himself a couple times, you know, dove awkwardly. He still hasn't learned how to slide. So I think my idea to make that an event at the Combine Still a good one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, oh, I think it's an excellent idea. I think not enough guys know how to do it. <laughs> Seems like the Lions missed a lot of opportunities that they failed to capitalize on today. Right. In the first half of this game, the Lions should have gotten out to a big lead. They they consistently moved the ball. They had 197 yards at halftime, uh, and they didn't have a point. They missed two field goals. They... Uh, made mistakes at the end of drives, and the Panthers just have that sort of bend-but-don't-break defense where they tackle so well. They remind you of the Seahawks when they're at home, too. They just they were flying all over the ball, and then once they got into the second half, Newton settled in, had a very good passing day uh, despite a bunch of drops from Kelvin Benjamin. And the big news before the game was that the Panthers deactivated Pro Bowl defensive end Greg Hardy, who was involved and convicted in that domestic incident this summer. Uh, Ron Rivera said after the game that it was his call, I believe, Greg? He did. There's varying reports of whether it was up to the owner, Jerry Richardson, who's been publicly... Um, he shed tears over this, you know, right. a fortnight ago. Yeah, right, uh, about domestic violence. And it just makes you wonder if Hardy's going to be back on the field at all this season because what's going to change? He doesn't have any legal case coming up. It's not until November. What's going to change next week when it comes to Hardy? And there, this defense has shown... They, they're going to be fine with or without him. It's a big loss, but they're going to be fine either way. I think you make a good point with Hardy. And same thing with Adrian Peterson in Minnesota, that it's such a, a, a different time in the NFL and things are so black and white. I don't know what happens with these players because we don't know how these teams want to react. It, you know, it's such, a, it's such a touchy situation. So they, the safe move might just to leave these guys out of the game plan, which would have seemed crazy a year ago, but now we're in a new world. It's definitely a different era. You've got guys who have had domestic violence incidents in the past who are suiting up multiple incidents, and they're suiting up because it happened before Ray Rice. Mm -hmm. But to get back to the game on this one, I do think we should give the Panthers a lot of credit for coming up with two really good performances in a row. The Lions, I said they moved the ball in the first half. They didn't move the ball in the second half very well. And it's just a team that's so well coached on defense. For them to end up winning going away with absolutely no running game. Jonathan Stewart did nothing until he had a 20-yard run in garbage time, and you still get the win. Moving forward to Cincinnati, where the Bengals lost A.J. Green very early in the game with a foot injury. Actually ended up being A.J. Green's first game as a pro without having a catch. But it didn't matter because this Cincinnati team, Chris Wessling, has some balance. The defense did the job. Uh, messed up, messed with Matt Ryan, who had a, a difficult day passing, and the Bengals had a 24-10 victory over the Atlanta Falcons, who had that great win over the Saints in Week One. The Bengals are now two and zero for the first time since 2006. We don't know what's going on with AJ Green, how long he might be out, but things are good in Cincinnati. Should people be excited, Chris Wesley? Yeah, because it's the regular season. Oh. <laughs> You raining on the what parade more, of the what Cincinnati people. What more can they people. do in the first couple weeks? They can't do anything until the playoffs start. Okay. But anyway. Why don't you th- take a wrecking ball to Skyline Chili while you're at it? I like Skyline ex- Chili. Let them get excited in Cincinnati. 
they should get excited because it is September. Were you not impressed with them? They No, I was very impressed. And I think we all agreed that Mike Zimmer was one of the best assistant coaches in the NFL over the past decade or so. Right. They haven't missed him one bit. Hmm. They gave Joe Flacco one of the longest afternoons of his career last week. And they gave Matt Ryan the one of the worst days of his career this week. They were – look, Lamar Holmes, the, the Falcons' right tackle, he couldn't block an Oakland Raiders fan on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe Karimi at left well tackle, done, was, was he any better? He was, he was better. He's outplayed Lamar Holmes both weeks. That's, that's not a good sign because Matt Ryan was arguably the best quarterback in the league last week. Carlos Dunlap hit Matt Ryan five times. Oh, my God. Ryan, 24 of 44 for 231 yards. And a touchdown. He was sacked twice, uh, threw three interceptions. Very tough. And, I, and I'll say, the Falcons, well, before the season started, which now seems forever ago, when we all wrote about who were our dark horses, I picked the Falcons, and I felt really good after last Sunday. But now they're 1-1, one and, one, and I see that they've given up uh, nearly 1,000 yards in defense, total yards defense over two games. So that could be a major issue, their ability to stop. This teams. feels like a, a Hugh Jackson game, exactly how we'd want it to go for the Bengals. You've got 23 attempts for Dalton. He's efficient. They run for 170 yards with Bernard and the rookie Hill splitting carries. You know, that I, I watched what they did last week against the Ravens, and they're running some Eagles concepts. They're much more frisky and creative than they were under Gruden. I guess, you know, the Bengals to me always struck me as sort of a boring team despite their success at home. I can't look at this team and feel as bored as I, as I have been in the past. They seem more, more efficient on offense and uh, more formidable to me. Gio Bernard's workload came because of A.J. Green's injury. They already had Tyler Eifert and Marvin Jones out. So basically your top three weapons in the passing game are out. Bernard had nearly double his career high in carries. And he had his career high in total yards too. And he had thirty-two targets last week too. I mean, he had he had a lot. They gave him a lot of work and space in week one. You better be careful with thirty-two touches. You can't do that each week, or else he's going to be gone too. Cleveland Browns entered action on Sunday with riding a nine-game losing streak at home. And here came the Saints, coming off a bad loss in week one. Looked like a recipe for disaster for Cleveland. But no, Mark Sessler, it was not a recipe of disaster for disaster. It was a recipe for tasty goodness. Get out of your chair. Billy Cundiff kicks a 29-yard field goal with three seconds to play, and the Browns are 26-24 winners over the Saints on Sunday. Everybody really excited. Brian Hoyer making some plays. Uh, Johnny Manziel gets in, ac- gets in the action, hands the ball off. Everybody's excited about it. Saints had rallied from a 13-point deficit to take the lead, but the Browns would not be denied, and the Brownies are 1-1, Mark Sessler. I think the takeaway for me watching this game was what Mike Pettin's defense was able to do to Drew Brees. And you, you know that you can't do this for four quarters, but they shut him down entirely for the first half. And then Jimmy Graham took over. You, they had Joe Hayden one-on-one with Jimmy Graham, I think Hayden was on on him like a blanket, but you can't win those one-on-one matchups. 10 for 118 and two touchdowns for Jimmy Graham. It really looked like this was a a case where the Saints were going to creep back in and just eventually do what you thought they would do and and, and outlast Cleveland. But Hoyer, uh, his second game-winning drive in in, in four starts, that fifth one doesn't really count for them in his career, and Mm. uh, he pulled him through. 
and Mark doesn't like to toot the horn too often, so I will do it for you, Mark. The Cleveland Browns had Brian Hoyer, who we all kind of agreed is a journeyman-type player at quarterback. They have no Josh Gordon. They have no Jordan Cameron, and they knock off the Saints at home. So for a team Your that, Super Bowl picks, you and Wes. Yeah, a, a yeah. Super Bowl contender, which I still think, even though they're own two, they still are a team to be taken very seriously. The Browns deserve a lot of credit for how they've started this season. Even in the loss in Week 1, now win in Week 2, they're certified frisky for me. In other words, enough of the level-header analysis and just party, baby. <laughs> Mark, not partying. When I look at the box score, the first question that comes to my mind is why isn't Sean Payton saddling up Mark Ingram as a workhorse? Mm. 11 he, for 83, 7.5 yards um, per carry. He looked good, but I, I don't know. You look at the Saints' history under Payton, and he, they always have seemed uh, – Reluctant to put well, one back back there. Well, the way. other the other thing that sticks out is five point nine <laughs> yards per attempt for Drew Brees. So I obviously didn't see this game. How how does that happen? Well, number one, Carlos Dansby earned his money. He he was all over the place. They were in. The, I mean, you know, Paul Kruger, who was a big disappointment last year, played well in Week One, and he did it again today. He seems to be Petten's. We thought it would be Jabal Sheard. It looks like it's 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 closer to being Kruger right now, who's just been unleashed in the pass rush. They were in Bree's face all day long. And a, a nice win for the Browns. But, yeah, let's talk about the Saints for one second before we move on. We're a lot of people sucked in a little bit about this defense being so great and the Saints being different than other years. But so far, it looks like the same team to me where they're a mediocre team on the road. I expect when they go back home, they're going to kick somebody's butt. But is this the same Saints team we've been seeing the last couple of years? I don't think it's the same team, and I think it's easy to overreact to the first two games. But I, I will concede that they still have road problems, and they still have a defense where maybe the maybe the talent on paper isn't producing as it should. Well, the they're they had never been a good road team under Sean Payton, really. And they could be 2-0 and very easily. There's not much difference in both of these games between a win and a loss. But the problem is they're two games behind the Panthers already. And they're you know chasing other teams for home field advantage. So 0-2, even though I'm fully confident the Saints will bounce back and be one of the top seven or eight teams, that's still a pretty big hole to jump out of already. Def- two definitely, games. especially when, of co- again, when you go think about offseason and preseason narratives that the Panthers were in trouble and they were going to come back to the pack. Panthers look great. And so the Saints probably, if the Panthers are going to win 10 to 12 games, the Saints got to figure out something to do now. They got to go on a run. You know, it's very early still, but it's not a good situation. Well, and one last thing. Wes and I picked them for the Super Bowl with taking the leap of faith that they would have home field in the playoffs over a team like Seattle, too, because they're not going to go win a playoff game in Seattle. 0-2 0-2 does not bode well for that. I'm not backing off that. How about your, your run well, game? Well, no one's before... asking you to back off it, no, but 0-2 think... is not an outrageously right, straight start. Are you admitting? Would you admit now, Wes, that Brian Hoyer uh, wasn't the worst idea to start him week one? I know we were all against that, but it seems like the offense is working out okay so far. Didn't he average, like, wasn't he in the Gabbert zone for this game? He was at five yards per attempt right. in this game, but the, but – at least compared to where Manziel was at in the preseason. Maybe. They've been competitive. So, yeah, I mean, that was – they did – they've been competitive. That's all you can and ask. So, and since you brought it up, Manziel did get on the field, Mark. What happened? I uh, came on, you know, much ballyhooed, rolls in there and hands the ball off. And then he came in a series or two later and threw an incomplete pass. What's and, the purpose of that? Yeah, that's so weird. I'm you not the coach. I don't know. Oh, come on, today? Not on you today. You have issues. And, and Brian Hoyer, because he's salt of the earth – 
because he's you know blue collared to the bone. It's basically a Springsteen song come to life. He said after the game, I wasn't happy to find out that Manziel was involved in the game plan at all, but I dealt with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that as Wesley said, they've been you know productive with it. They scored twenty six points without their best wide receiver, their best tight end, and their starting running back. Mark, are you happy today? Yes, because I thought, as I said to Wes before the game, I thought this would be a forty-six to three polishing. I think Ow! the Browns are a legit option for the team of ATL. And never so are the, getting back, never getting past Wesley. And so are the Panthers right. running no them back. Chance. I would run back the Panthers, bringing the Browns. There's no chance. The factory Browns. of sadness, more like factory of gladness. I just came up with that. Let's move forward. <laughs> Idiot. So the Minnesota Vikings did not have Adrian Peterson for their home opener in the outdoors conditions in Minneapolis. Uh, They probably could have used them. They got trounced trounced by the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. Matt Castle did not uh, show up against his good buddy through four interceptions. Chandler Jones made one of the more athletic plays you'll see, blocking a field goal, scooping it up, and then running it in. That basically iced the game before the half. Tom Brady really did nothing uh, for the second straight week. 15 of 22 for 142 yards and a touchdown, but he didn't need to. The Patriots took care of business against an undermanned Minnesota team. The Patriots get all the breaks. Greg Rosenthal, congratulations. Hope you're proud of yourself. I, I hate it when people say congratulations to other fans around this office as, as if they did anything to contribute to the win. Whatever. I don't take it personally when they lose. It's not my fault. It's all just a vicarious journey. <laughs> That's life in a way. I don't know. Microcosm. I didn't know how to feel about this game for a while because it's you're just so used to as a Patriots fan watching the offense be explosive and move up and down the field. And I just don't think that's this offense right now. They're a station-to-station offense without explosive players. Gronkowski's not the same. But they also showed today that they could be a team where the playmakers on defense carry the way. All the big playmakers are on defense. Chandler Jones was incredible. A couple sacks, beautiful you know, field goal block. Dante Hightower is now playing a rush linebacker position, sometimes defensive end, putting his hand on the ground, had a couple sacks today. Uh, Jared Mayo had a nice game. Logan Ryan locked down Corderell Patterson for a lot of the day. Darrell Revis had a really nice day. So all their best defense, all their best players, I think, are on hand defense. Hand in the dirt. If you want the football experts what did to I take say? you seriously, you said hand on the grass. They like to say dirt. <laughs> Because that makes it pure football. It's only dirt if they're playing at the Raiders Stadium. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. I don't take much from this game, to be honest with you. I'm curious about Why Rob Gronk. Because, you know, the Vikings basically had their soul ripped out this week. And now they're trying to figure out they, they're scrambling with Matt Castle. I mean, get Teddy Bridgewater in there now. It's they rolled right down forward. the field on the opening drive, went 80 yards for a touchdown. At first, it looked like it'd be competitive. Were you concerned when Matt Asiata rumbled in with a 25-yard yeah, touchdown reception? Yeah, that was a reception. broken play. I wasn't getting excited about it about that. But uh, my question was Gronk. I mean, is this a situation where you think Gronk is going to be limited for the season? Like, what are you seeing when you watch him? Because he wasn't explosive at all. Didn't have a catch in the first half. Didn't do much in this game. I, I can tell you what Greg's seen because what? he facetiously compared Gronk to Jake Ballard in the newsroom. Oh. <laughs> well, my point was all he's doing is, is running, running out and catching eight-yard passes. It's a good point because Gronk has been their lone deep threat. Right. Edelman, He's the guy that goes 20, 25 yards down the field. He's not doing that now. Edelman has six catches for eight straight games, the longest streak in the league. But it's not a great sign that he's their most consistent weapon. They need more than that. Gronk, I think, was on the field less this week than he was last week, which is not mm, a good sign. That's interesting. Bills are in first place. Moving forward. <laughs> the Giants stink. Oh, my God. The Giants stink. I watched this game closely. They had a 14-13 league. Drew Stanton. And the Arizona Cardinals, Carson Palmer, a late scratch. 
uh, to, due to a nerve issue, basically handing the Giants a win on a silver platter in their home opener, and they just butcher it. 14-13, uh, Victor Cruz drops a pass on a third down with 11 minutes to play. They punt the ball away. Ted Ginn returns it for a touchdown. Ensuing kickoff, the Giants fumble it away. The Cardinals get another field goal. All of a sudden, it's 22-14. They add another field goal. 25-14, Cardinals win after just a meltdown. And it's exactly the type of meltdown that, A, is going to cause Tom Coughlin's head to explode, and, B, is what bad teams do. I've seen it for years following the Jets. Even the close games, bad teams do things like this, and that's why they're bad teams. How did Eli play? Better, a lot better. That is the silver lining. I was actually surprised how good he looked. He threw an early interception, and it looked to be same same old Eli. But he ended up 26 of 39, 277 yards, two touchdowns. Really should have been better. The Giants had five drops in the game. And Victor Cruz, who, you know, has got to be quiet because he, he, he spoke up this week and said he's got to get me the damn ball, essentially pulled a Keyshawn. And then he had that bad drop that I mentioned. He had a couple other balls that he could have gotten to. Uh, this is a situation where... He needs to play better because there's not a lot around them. He's got to be a star. How about Drew Stanton getting a win on the road? Drew Stanton didn't do much. Drew Stanton, the best thing Drew did was get out of the way, let Andre Ellington do some work, who looks very good despite that foot injury. He looked quick, looked fast. And uh, basically all the Cardinals did was not mess up and let the Giants do what this Giants team was going to do, which is blow the game. So Cardinals very lucky to get out with a W, uh, but that's what happens. I'm not sure how long the Ben McAdoo experience lasts in New York if the Giants go 3-13 and and Tom Coughlin is well, ripped out of Gotham. If, if they don't have a winning record, Tom Coughlin is going to retire. Quote, and unquote. then Ben McAdoo will be gone. Yeah, it does. It, I, I mean, well, exactly. I, I don't think there's that much doubt. There's no way Coughlin could be there next year if they have a losing record. It feels like a really um, neat breaking point, breakoff point after this season because I do. It does seem like the Giants are going to well, lose you're eleven ben or twelve McAdoo, games. Who moved really? the entire family across the country? Oh, yeah. This has a different feel of other Giants teams. It I does because I know they started poorly last year too. Right. Well, they only won seven games in the end. Right. But this team, it, it just the terrible Monday performance, and they played awfully in the preseason, and they, and they don't have Odell Beckham in the mix, and now that's a bad loss at home. I don't know. I just things do not look good in the Meadowlands for the Giants. Bill Barnwell wrote an article three years ago outlining the at the time at least half a dozen times the Giants had quit under Tom Coughlin. <laughs> <laughs> right, he is a giant a Giants backer, and that's why I wouldn't give up on this team even at zero and two. But, Bad division. But I, I think you, the Cardinals deserve some credit. Bruce Arians, mm. he can coach my team anytime. He's a good coach. I mean, he's maxing them out. We say good, good bad teams find ways to lose. They, they've just managed an early part of the schedule where they're home to San Diego. They're in New York. They come out of that 2-0 and with Carson Palmer missing a game. That's pretty impressive. I will say, Having watched both those games, I will say that they're 2-0, and but – they're not 2-0 because they're, they've had an amazing start to the season either. A couple things could have changed. It could be 0-2, but, you know, that's how well, football sometime works. Well, sometimes you fake it till you make it. They're like the anti-Saints. <laughs> one, thing, <laughs> one thing to point out, too, Patrick Peterson had a bit of a rough game there. I don't know if He did, yeah, that. he did. He actually got – Eli was not afraid to go at him. They got one touchdown on a beautiful Reuben Randall catch, and then Victor Cruz, to Cruz's credit, he uh, blew by P- Peterson, who grabbed him in the end zone. Uh, for a pass interference, so not Patrick Peterson's best game. How about Calais Campbell? i got to watch this. Ten tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. Get that guy in the Pro Bowl for once, please. Absolutely. That is called active. Oh, Calais Campbell was active. That's what people say. (laughs) 
Fingers in the dirt. Active. All words. Buzz Dan's words. football gloves. I like, to, buzzy. I like to put my two palms in the grass. <laughs> yeah, what'd you do? Swallow a dictionary before the game? Get buzzy, guys. Here we go. The Dallas Cowboys, who we all assume are not going to be a playoff team, and they probably still won't be, but they had a nice win today in Nashville. DeMarco Murray ran for 169 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they got four field goals from Dan B- Bailey. Tony Romo, after last week's terrible game against the Niners, uh, was effective, 19 of 29 for 176 yards and a touch. And the Cowboys get to 1-1. One and one. And the Titans, that is, that's a tough loss at home. You know, that's how you open your season at home with a loss to a middling Cowboys team. I don't think the Titans are very good, and I think they got exposed today. Jake Locker had a 7.6 passer rating at halftime against the Dallas defense that everyone thought was going to be the worst in the NFL. The Cowboys, they look like they have a defense running game going in this game, at least anyway. DeMarco Murray looks as good as any running back in the NFL and really has since last season. He looks phenomenal. And he's behind a good offensive line, too. The offensive line is really good in the running game and has been worked over in pass protection. Mm. Wes, this, something jumps out to me at the box score. Maybe you could shed some light on it. Sean Green and McCluster combined for nine carries for 70 yards. How come they only had nine carries if they were running the ball that well? I'm not sure Sean Green got a single r- rush after halftime. They were down, obviously, and they decided to pass. Basically, Sean Green came out of the lineup. Hmm. I want to just throw it out there that this Cowboys defense – might not be the worst defense in the league. That we all thought it because they were bad last year and they had a bad off season. But when I watched them last week against San Francisco, I didn't think they were that bad. I thought they were a below average defense. But maybe maybe they got something in Rolando McLean here. That's or maybe the course. Titans just aren't very good. <laughs> That's fair. About two weeks, two weeks into the season, Rolando McLean is your def- your comeback player of the year in the NFL. He had another yeah, I think he led the team in tackles today, had a sack had an interception that might have been the play of the day as far as circus kind of catch. He looked really good. You know who probably won't be the comeback player of the year, Chris Wessling? Robert Griffin III. Well, I don't think there's any probable about that. Transition. Uh, The Washington Redskins quarterback went out with a dislocated ankle in Sunday's 41-10 win over the Jaguars. He's out for... A while, you would assume, he gets carted off with the injury. Kirk Cousin c- comes in and is on fire initially anyway. Finished 22 of 33, 250 yards and two touchdowns. Redskins, as I said, with a blowout victory over a Jaguars team, which I, perhaps stinks. Maybe they weren't. We thought maybe they'd be better this year, at least with this current quarterback in the lineup, Blaine Gabbert, excuse me, uh, Chad Henney. Not that different. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's time, Mark Sessler, for the Blake Borders era to begin. But talk about a, a bittersweet win for the Redskins because you lose RG3 and Deshaun Jackson potentially for some period of time. RG3 probably for the year. But then Cousins comes in, completes his first 12, and honestly looks like a better fit for this offense to me than what they were trying to squeeze RG3 into. Cousins looked fine. He, he, to me, he, he did everything they could have asked him to do, and he showed good chemistry right out of the gate with uh, everyone on the field. The Jaguars, they are a mess, but I'm not sure putting Bortles in really changes things because the problem is their offensive line, two games in a row, an absolute disaster. You know, Henny is not, he's no fireball. We don't love the guy, but at the same time, there's not a whole lot the quarterbacks can do in that situation. Ten sacks. 
Wow. Are you yeah, going to put your ten sacks? Are you going to put Skins your future record. franchise quarterback behind that offensive line? I don't think you can. And and we had some sandwiches on that. I said that Bortles would be in by week three. I just think they're going to say what you just said. That's a risk. And we I mentioned our dark horse picks. I had the Falcons. You picked the Jags. So it sounds like Mark, you're out for this team actually doing something this year. Well, you know, my, I based that on. I also had Bortles as the offensive rookie of the year. I, I loved what I saw in the preseason. I thought they'd be tantalized to put him in sooner than later. But again, when, you, when, you're, when you're getting harassed the way quarterback was today, I, don't, I think it's a hold and wait on him. Well, let's not bury the lead here. The Redskins fans got what they wanted. There were some, some that wanted Kirk Cousins to come in. He really? came in. There, yeah. there was, there yeah. was. I gotta say, really that. to that? I, I don't know. There, there at least was, or, or Joe Theismann got what he wanted at least with Kirk Cousins. I guess I'm saying, really, do is that really going to last long term? I mean, no, I, 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 I don't think so. This but. is, I mean, this is the problem now for RG three. And if you're a fan of RG three or what his potential was or is, um, as Wes, I know you and I feel that way for sure because he was so exciting. Now he's in a bad spot. Let's say he he's ready in. Six weeks. I don't know. Who knows he's how long? He's probably out for the year. Let's say he's, he's able to come back. Out, ankle. By the time people listen to us, I bet Ian Rappaport will have reported he's out for the All year. All right. Let's say he's out for the year. Kirk Cousins gets a full season. And if Kirk Cousins plays well, RG3 no longer gets handed the job back automatically. This might be the injury that really, really hurts his career in terms of what his future is with the Redskins. It's kind of a bummer because like, I love watching the guy, but it just seems like he's – Maybe he got a little bit of a curse on him or something. I don't know. It's just sad to watch him get carted off the field, waving sadly to the Redskins fans. It's just a bummer. What do you do if you're the Redskins? Kirk Cousins maybe has finishes the year 25 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, as Ali Bompori posed to me. What do you do? I mean, what if he looks like Andy Dalton in Jay Gruden's offense? Ali Bompori works with us, by the way. I don't know if anybody else knows who he is. Yes. Okay. No idea. I think – it's such a tough spot. It's it's it is a really you have sad to give the moment. job back to RG three next year because of what are you paid to get him? It's it's really Unless sad. You could trade Cousins with added value. Why would after you trade nice Cousins season? knowing RG 3s right. injury history? I mean, right now we're looking at a guy that was offensive rookie of the year, the best rookie season by any quarterback in NFL history. In the year that Andrew Luck was a rookie and Russell Wilson. And then a guy who tore his ACL had a disastrous second year, and his third year ends before it even started. I, I really hope people don't kill Griffin for being lost in the preseason in one game. Who knows? He might have strafed the Jaguars today too. It's not. I mean, he was on his way to, and it's just such a that's a leap of faith. It's such a bummer though. TD, that, you that got a point. Like this. Yeah, to that point, to Greg's point there, LG three actually looked electric on that drive. He got hurt. And it was just so sad to see him stay down and go down for so long. You could tell he was crying. You could tell he was in tears. And it was just sad to see. But real quick, though, Brian Hoyer, Kirk Cousins, and the other Michigan State quarterback, Drew Stanton, all mm. came out victorious. Wow. So Michigan State QBs all be <laughs> Do like, it. We can wait. That seemed like on. a real reach there. But all right, go Spartans. Sparty on. <laughs> 112 seasons from now, that will happen again. Give Gruden some credit, by the way, just because – they were without Deshaun Jackson and Robert Griffin III and Jordan Reed, and they just rolled it up. It was like didn't even matter. We move forward. Oh, this one's a little jaunty. I don't remember this one from time to time. 
Austin Davis came in at quarterback for the Rams, and you would think, oh, the Rams are done. They're going to Tampa. They're going to lose to the Bucks. Did not work out that way. Greg the Leg hits four field goals, including a 38-yarder with 38 seconds to play, leading the Rams to a 19-17 win over the Bucks. a game that had a wild ending where Mike Evans – uh, while the Bucks are driving, goes down with an injury right inside 10 seconds. No timeouts left for the Bucks, so the referees blow the play dead. 10-second runoff, game over. Crushing way to lose. A, one of our editors, who's a Bucks fan, jumped up and screamed in the newsroom to the point where our boss, uh, Marvel, had to look at him and be like, yo, bro, take it down a notch. You're a pro. But that's, I mean, that's a tough loss for any, uh, any Bucks fan or the Bucks. So now... The Tampa Bay Bucks not looking good after losing to the Rams, who stink. I just like to note that I, uh, on IM over the weekend, convinced Dan not to pick up Bobby Rainey in fantasy, <laughs> who rumbled for 144 yards today. So thank you, sir. I'm going to take a backseat. Added on that 30 on, through the air too, so it'd be 174. Good job, buddy. But we did pick up that Browns running back, Crowell. Yeah, he had a good game. Crowell is a deep sleeper, but I failed <laughs> He's still this week. Sleeping. He's a lot more talented than Bobby Rainey. Yes, he is. That was my premise, but uh, not on the field today. Josh McCown, who had the bad game last week, uh, not didn't put any big numbers out there again. 16-21, 179 yards. Are we worried about Josh McCown being able to lead this team to anything? Uh, he, he had one of the worst interceptions of the week after having one of the worst interceptions ever last year. They ran the ball so effectively in this game. He played well for a lot of the game if – if they didn't have that crazy ending and kick the field goal to win it, we'd be talking about the throw he made to Mike Evans mm. on that play that would have set up a 50-yard attempt. No gimme. Uh, I don't think McCown was really the problem today, but the fact that they've lost two games at home to start the year and one of them was to Austin Davis, I mean, that's as bad a start as you could have. That's a crazy rule. Mike Evans goes down with about 15 seconds left right. on the clock. And they, they let it run for seven more seconds before they – I don't know. That, I, well, that didn't sit well with me. Well, it's tricky. It, it doesn't sit well with me either. But how are they to know that he's unable to play? Basically, it's it's a weird sort of gray area that he then was saying, like, I can't line up for this next snap. And by the time they actually ran up to the spot to get there, there then at that point I'd, there was I'd like to left. see a little bit better judgment out of the line crew. I wish you could review that. You can't. Um, I do want to say – Austin Davis, like we're making fun of him and the Rams think he made some really nice throws in this game. I mean, and, and the throw he made to Austin Pettis to set up the game-winning field goal was one of the plays of the day on third down was very clutch. Uh, Austin Davis deserves a little love. We will clip. The, TD, can you clip that and send that to Austin Davis's mother and let her know that Greg Rosenthal one wanted to one. make sure. He, he was extremely fired up on the sidelines post Yes, he was. was Austin Davis. That was, he was so body high. language? Body but, language check? A bit too much. It yeah, it was too much yeah. swag. His teammates were kind of like, dude, calm down. You know, relax. He was, he was too much. Pro. Hey, we buried this team. Nice little win for Austin Davis. Let's move forward. <laughs> Peyton Manning. Finished 21 of 26 for 242 yards and three touchdowns, leading the Denver Broncos to a ho-hum 24-17 win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. The Chiefs, obviously, by the final score, you could tell, made a game of it. Uh, Terrence Knighton knocked away a fourth and goal pass from Alex Smith to Dwayne Bowe with 15 seconds left to preserve the win. So the Broncos get a win. They move to 2-0. But as we alluded to at the top of the show, not, I'm not blown away by the Broncos' start here. We shouldn't be too... Uh, excited about them at this stage, right? Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't an overwhelming performance at all on offense. A lot of it had to do with in the second half, the Chiefs, and I find them very hard to watch. 
they put together a 19-play drive to kick off the third quarter, chew 10 minutes off the clock. This is meant to be their statement to get back into this game, and they miss a field goal. Are you kidding me? And they basically, <laughs> they never took a lead after that. I, you know, it, Kansas City is not built to, as I said to Chris, they're built to win games 10-9. to 9. What did you say? They're built to lose games 31-10. to 10. I mean, that didn't <laughs> happen today, but it wasn't far from that happening. And, uh, you know, Denver, D- Denver did what it needed to do to, to take care of business. I, th- I think Denver's defense is probably going to have to play a much larger role this season than they did last season. But it's one game, and uh, Denver is still a, a team that can go off for 30 points, I think, if they get hot. Well, Chiefs got that Chargers recipe from last year. Eight drives apiece for the entire game for both teams. The Chiefs outgained Denver. The Chiefs had 380 yards in the game. I'm kind of amazed. Well, and Jamal Charles went out with an ankle injury early, so Niall Davis came in and did a good job. I think that, that Alex Smith uh, continues to be underrated for his ability. They kept running, rushing three men, and he's scrambling around all over the place, uh, making plays with his feet, extending plays, but it's not enough. They've got no weapons. Yo, Andy Reid, you have a weapon. Travis Kelsey, use him more. Well, they are. He led they the use, team in no, the Right, but he also right. played about half the snaps. Mm. He if, needs to play a lot more snaps than Fasano. If if Charles is out for a while, I mean, not that this Chiefs team was looking good right now at 0-2 anyways, but they, this was a better performance. Everything went be. right for them last year. Week after week, the scenarios continued to go in their direction. The opposite this year. Moving forward, the New York Jets went to Green Ooh. Bay and Lambeau Field uh, looking for the upset, and it looked very good for uh, fans of Gang Green. They jumped out to a 14 nothing lead. And a 21-3 lead, but it all seemed almost, uh, you know, you could see it in the stars it coming. The Packers started chipping away. It was 21-16 by the half. By the end of the game, it was 31-24. The Packers win. Aaron Rodgers threw for three touchdowns. And Jordy Nelson just went off with 209 yards receiving on nine catches. I think he was targeted 15 times or 16 times by Aaron Rodgers, which is a record for Aaron Rodgers uh, targeting any receiver in his NFL career. Uh the big controversy, not so much a controversy, but the play that Jets fans will remember this game by, trailing by seven with five minutes to play. Geno Smith hits Jeremy Curley for a 30-yard touchdown to tie the game, or you would think tie the game, but it ends up right before the snap. Offensive coordinator Marty Morningwig was calling for a timeout. Sheldon Richardson yelled it into the referee's ear, who the referee isn't sure if it was coming from Rex Ryan, who's the only man who can call timeout, so he calls timeout anyway. The play is negated. The Jets ends up getting a first down, but then turning it over on downs, and they never got the ball back. Crushing way to lose for the Jets. Same old story, a classic same old Jets loss, and I'm spent. Yeah, you you kept saying the words, no one knows what it's like to be a Jets fan today. Yeah, because, well, I feel like while there are tortured franchises, and Mark, you certainly root for one of them, and, and Wes, you used to root for one yourself, but the Jets are very good at the, the crazy-type losses <laughs> That where they're so great at snapping defeat out of the jaws of victory, and they find different ways to do it. And being a Jets fan is remembering games by devastating moments. So, like I said, you could ask a real Jet fan 40 years from now about the Packers game uh, in 2014. They'll be, be able to tell you immediately what happened and what Sheldon Richardson was doing because it becomes one of those, not at the level, I would say, of the fake spike or something like that, but the same type of thing, like a wild loss under mysterious circumstances. Just a terrible, terrible game. And I will say Geno Smith, 
for all the credit he deserved early in the game, he started the first three drives, eight for 10, 89 yards and a touchdown. He ran a touchdown in, and he had never looked better in the last nine drives, eight for 22, 87 yards and a pick, according to uh, ESPN stats. So he really tailed off. Eric Decker pulled a hamstring. He missed the end of the game, which didn't help. Muhammad Wilkerson got booted from the game, ejected uh, for fighting after a Patriots two-point conversion. So it all kind of crumbled for the Jets, who are now 1-1, one and, one, and the Packers get to 1-1. One one. I heard a lot of chatter downstairs during this game about the Jets as a potential team of ATL. Where are we with that? Uh, it's wiped out. It's <laughs> over. They needed to win that game because to take this Jets team seriously, I felt like they needed to go into Green Bay, make the statement, and they got so close to doing it. But like I said, the Jets know how to blow things like nobody else, and they really blew this one. Eric Decker's hamstring injury kills that too because I do not want to watch a wide receiver core with Jeremy Curley and David Nelson. Oh, Trust me, you're not alone with that, Wes. <laughs> he looked like a true number one uh, before he hurt the, hurt the hamstring. Geno Smith had a beautiful deep ball. Uh, to Decker for a long touchdown in the first quarter. Uh, so everything everything kind of turned uh, by the middle of the second quarter or so. So the Jets are 1-1, one and one, and the Packers, let's face it, they needed this. Right. They Any concern there that they were this close to losing in Lambeau? You know, I, I, I think there should be some cause for concern why you would be out getting off to a slow start bes- despite that embarrassing loss at, uh, on the road to start the season. But, you know, they more than made up for it. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's just a fun guy to watch. Uh, one guy to get, I guess, I don't know whether, Wes, we talked about this downstairs, whether to put anything into it, but maybe it's just back-to-back bad opponents. But Eddie Lacy did not really do anything for the second straight week. 13 touches for 40 I would read nothing yards. into that. You can't run on the Jets' defense. No, I, so maybe it's just a, an issue of his opponents. We do have to read into Jordy Nelson, 209 yards, though. He's a stud. He's Jordy, your bad man. Jordy Nelson. He needs to Top be five viewed. now? Top Wide five. Receiver. I think he's where he's been for the last two years. He's right in that. Five to eight range, yeah. He burned D. Milner on a post route for 80 yards and a score. It was the biggest play of the game. And, you know, it just shows that, you know, you don't give him credit enough for being fast and having great hands and being an absolute complete wide receiver. And the numbers today were outrageous. Well, D. Milner telling people that he's the number one corner only in the Milner household. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, I mean, he should have never said that. He was worked back into the lineup. He didn't even start today. But, uh, yeah, that was a stupid thing, and he deserves to be mocked. We move to Oakland, where the Raiders look every bit as bad as we all expected them to be. Arian Foster ran for 138 yards, and J.J. Watt caught a one-yard touchdown pass. I need to see the review of that. I haven't replayed that. I have not seen it yet. But the Texans cruised to a 30-14 lead, just as Derek Carr did a week earlier. He threw a late touchdown pass to make it look closer. But this game was not close. The Houston Texans dominated to get to 2-0. and So a nice start by the Texans, and the Raiders are 0-2 and going nowhere fast. I'm not sure we'll go through J.J. Watt's career in its entirety where he scores a touchdown but doesn't show up in the defensive statistical sheet. Didn't wow. have a sack. Uh, I, I mean, don't like that, by the way, because I made a sandwich proposition that Watt would have more sacks than... Uh, Von Miller and DeMarcus were combined, and I believe, Wes, you said that the two Denver players had two sacks today, and my uh, defensive end tackle had a touchdown catch, but that doesn't help me. I'm sure he'll be back. They didn't need him to do much. Oakland, uh, you know, it, it's hard to look at the Raiders, and I feel for the fan base because it's so clear that this entire franchise from the top down is going to be utterly recycled uh, sooner than later. There's just nothing about the team and I'm talking about poor Derek Carr. It's hard to measure his his success or his development when he's got nothing around him. 
and they filled this team with old, aging veterans. None of them are making the impact you'd hope for. They're a lost ship. So if you're building a team, it's not a good idea to let two of your best talents go on the free agent market, (laughs) restock with a bunch of 30-year-olds, sign the weakest arm in the NFL, and then declare to everyone that you're a playoff team? That might be the lesson that we would take from this. Charles Woodson's take on it after the game. We suck. I agree. That's accurate. I'd say he's being mild. Is uh, <laughs> uh, can we get excited a little bit about the Texans yet, or do we need to see him beat some teams? I'm excited about. I was excited about about him after the first week. I, I think As that you I. know you go out and you get Fitzpatrick, and that's instantly you could criticize that out of the gate. Except if games go the way today's went, he did exactly what Bill O'Brien wanted from that kind of a signing. He game yeah. managed. They got a great. Arian Foster is back entirely. He had like 96 yards great. before the half. He looks faster to me. He looks driven. Andre Johnson continues to make plays. You know, there's a lot around Fitzpatrick. That's the difference between him and Derek Carr and other quarterbacks on bad teams. And there's a defense. And there's a schedule. That's the thing I like the best about the Texans being in this for a little while is their schedule. Well, we always said we thought one of these AFC South teams outside of Indy would maybe creep up. We didn't know which. Only after two weeks, small sample size, but the Texans are a good... Texans a good, and good Colts are going to be fighting for that division. Maybe you so. can have your little Chargers and your Cardinals and your Browns for Team of ATL. Give me the Texans over Ooh, all those teams. Wait a second. We will talk Throw about Panthers that Wednesday because the Texans deserve to be in the conversation. And now to the final game of Sunday. We go to Santa Clara. The opening of Levi's Stadium is supposed to be... A great welcome for the Niners and a first victory. It looked like it was heading that way, a 20-7 to lead over the Bears, heading into the fourth quarter. But then disaster struck. Colin Kaepernick throws two interceptions. They all lead to points for the Bears, puts them ahead 28-20. Uh, the Niners have a last-gas drive on fourth down. Colin Kaepernick looks to the end zone off the fingertips of Michael Crabtree. A 28-20 win for the Bears. A huge win for the Bears despite missing some guys with injuries that got hurt during the game. Banged up wide receivers. They go to San Francisco and get the win. What a huge win for the Bears. What a huge implosion by the 49ers. I can't believe this game happened as it did. The 49ers didn't take advantage of nearly enough opportunities in the first half. They should have been winning by 30. And... I mean, they were up, but even despite that, they were up 20-7 to going into the fourth quarter, and it took those two fourth-quarter interceptions that Dan talked about, and those were just half of his turnovers. He also lost a fumble and had an interception in the first half, so a fourth turnover game. This is the game tape you submit when you make the argument for whether Colin Kaepernick is a top-ten-level quarterback because this is a game where he's all over the place, where he's making big plays every once in a while with his arms and his legs, but then he makes the bad turnovers, and he's just he's not able to get his team over the hump. The table was set. You know, the Bears averaged 1.3 <laughs> yards per play before their final scoring Jeez. drive in the first half. They were completely inept. It looked like, you know, Brandon Marshall looked healthier than Alshon Jeffrey, but 49ers quarterbacks were just hugged up against those guys, challenging them to make plays. Marshall, though, by the end of the night, three touchdowns. Man, it's like he he just does what he does. But the Bears, they stole this thing out of out of thin air. What a wacky! There's so many wacky stats in this game that the Bears won with 21 yards from Matt Forte. Or how about Jay Cutler 
buried deep in the Gabbert zone, 5.2 yards per attempt, but he has four touchdowns. And, and no, no interceptions. Interception. So they didn't move the ball all night, and they somehow go to San and, Francisco. And the Bears are not a favorite of the around the NFL team, uh, team. I know we haven't really gotten behind them as a team that we took seriously in the NFC. And maybe this is a game, uh, the similar situation to some of the games earlier we were talking about uh, with the Cardinals, that the Niners gave this one away. But you got to give the Bears credit. They were going uphill in the first half. They looked like they were doing nothing. Clearly didn't have Alshon Jeffrey at full capacity. But Brandon Marshall had the three touchdowns, but just 48 yards receiving. Uh, they lost some guys to injury during the game, including Peanut Tillman, who has a potentially serious uh, arm injury. Uh, they lose Chris Conti to a shoulder injury, and they persevere. This is like a really big win for this franchise, and it sets their season in a really good direction. It's one of those wins that we should remember in December when the 49ers are scratching and clawing for a playoff spot. Are they... You know, they're trying to win a division against the Seahawks, and you think back to week two when they just blew a game that they, they had, or, or maybe they're trying to just sneak into the playoffs because the Cardinals are still ahead of them. The first place all by themselves, Arizona Cardinals. Wow. And, and that's calm who they down, play next down. week, so that suddenly becomes a game. I, there's no must-win games in week three, but you got to take care of business. Stinging loss for the Niners, and Greg excited – Overly excited because just last week he was uh, down, just playing down my three hero picks, and now he gets a hero pick with this game, and all of a sudden it's a big deal. I, I didn't say anything. Oh, right. please. I, I see it any. all over your face. I got, a, I got a pair of hero picks today, so you don't even know. You're still behind me. That's all I know. I'm just look at the overall standings. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, right. All right, so anyway, that is it for Sunday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back on Wednesday uh, to go over all the news. Hopefully it will be a better week of uh, things to talk about uh, this upcoming week, though I suspect it might not be. But we will be talking about the team of ATL. We'll get into that a little bit more and get ready for Thursday Night Football in week three. It just it keeps rolling now that season started. So thank you for listening. And we'll be back. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the boss, the mailman, the sizzler, and of course, I just forgot for a second there. Can't forget the sizzler. TD behind the glass until Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Axel Foley. I was going to say, are we at the max? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. 
compatibility.